0: concluding, uh, this is the seventh week of a series we've been in called Seven Words That Will Change Your Life. And we've been talking about these words that if we were to apply them to our life, if we were to make them a regular part of our, not only a faith experience, but our life in general, um, that it would radically change the way that we lived. And so when we were thinking about this series, we came up with seven words, but I gotta be honest, as I was thinking about words that could change your life, I thought there, there was some that we just left off the list. And we had seven weeks and we couldn't go on forever. So I understand that we had to eliminate some, but uh, I just wanted to give you a little bit of insight into some of the other words I think that we could have included in this series because there are some other words that if, if guys, if you figure these, these out, they will change your life. I mean, this next one I wanna show you, uh, I believe is a game changer. I believe that if you can get this one right, like, like there are many things in your life that are gonna dramatically change. The word for us is mobile order, okay? If you haven't figured this one out yet, all right? You haven't figured this out one, there, this this will, is a complete game changer. There are restaurants in our, in our community that you can get on your cell phone, you can order your food, right? And you can show up to the restaurant, bypass the drive-through line that's around the block, walk in, pass the lines of people, pick up your food. And I take great pride in this, to be able to walk in, grab my bag of food and walk out before the last car has even moved one inch in the drive-thru, okay? There's a lot of, there's, it's like a competition for me, all right? You can figure this one out, man. It is. It's a game changer, all right? Okay, this next one, this next one, I'm telling you, this is one that um, not only will change your life, but I guarantee it will have a dramatic impact, a dramatic impact on the way that you interact with people uh, on a daily basis, all right? The word is turn signal, all right, all right? I'm just gonna leave that up there and let the Holy Spirit do His work today. You know, <laughs> As Pastor Steve would say, this may have been worth the whole trip, okay? This will change not only your life, it will change the lives of people around you, okay? Now, in all seriousness, this next word that we're gonna talk about today, um, what if I told you that if you were to figure this one out, it would not only have a significant impact on your relationships and life, not only your spouse, your kids, uh, your coworkers, your family members, it would, it would dramatically increase the, uh, the quality of your relationships in your life, but it would make you uh, worry less, you would, have, uh, you, would, you would be healthier, and you would be significantly more happy. If you can figure this word out, it would have a dramatic effect on your life. And the word is thanks. Matter of fact, uh, I believe that this particular word um, could have such a profound impact in your life that that it will actually make you a more healthy person. Matter of fact, there's been all kinds of studies. Psychologists and sociologists have commissioned studies over the past 10 or 15 years to study the effects of gratitude on your life, and all of them have concluded that gratitude is good for you. Matter of fact, um, gratitude will uh, improve your uh, psychological health. Studies have proven that it will increase happiness and reduce incidence of depression in people's lives. It will not only make you psychologically uh, healthier, it will make you physically healthier. People that are grateful just simply live healthier lives and live longer. There's one study that proved that grateful people or people that practice gratitude in their life actually uh, sleep better at night. That is unless they have young kids, and then it doesn't matter, right? You're not going to sleep no matter how grateful you are, all right? It's going to make you healthier. It's going to make you happier. Um, it's going to give you increased ability um, to have mental strength and resilience. You ever met grateful people in their life um, that just seem to be, have this attitude of thankfulness um, regardless of whatever season of life they may be in? You see them, and they may be going through difficult circumstances, and yet they always seem to find the ability to express gratitude, The truth is, is that it's because gratitude has produced in them a sense of mental resilience. Regardless of what they go through, they seem to have a strength that nobody else possesses. Now, all of these, long before all of these studies were commissioned by psychologists and sociologists that proved that gratitude is good for you, God said it's his will for you. Matter of fact, it's in our passage today, 1 Thessalonians chapter five. You can go ahead and turn there or it's in in your worship guide for your convenience. Um, Paul was writing to this church in Thessalonica, and he was telling them what it looked like to be a follower of Christ. He was giving them instructions about what it looked like to be a a, a believer, a Christian. Now, this is all new for them, so he's trying to give them very succinct, clear, just... Uh, instructions of what it meant to be a follower of Christ. And he used the term, this is God's will for you. Matter of fact, if you ever see that in in scripture, you wanna take note. If this is God's will for your life, you wanna take special note. And this is exactly what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5. Um, He starts out and he says, you need to rejoice always. You need to um, pray continually. And then listen to what he says. He says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for your life. Gratitude is actually God's will for you. And anytime God commands something of us, it's because he wants something for us. Paul is saying here that, that gratitude is a, should be a significant part of our faith experience and our relationship with God. Matter of fact, I would believe that it's the foundation upon which all of our qualities of faith grow. If you're a more grateful person, chances are you're gonna be more joyful. You're a grateful person, you're gonna be more generous. Grateful people seem to have, with their mental resilience and strength, they have an ability to trust God and act in faith more often than those who lack gratitude in their life. You see, it's the foundation upon which most of our faith is built. Paul makes an argument in another uh, book that he wrote um, where he, he equates ingratitude with the lives of faithless people. It could be said that ingratitude is the first step towards a drift away from God. Do you see how foundational and critical Um, this particular quality or this attribute is in our lives. It's gotta be a big deal. Gratitude has to be a big deal in your life. And most of us would say, now I I generally feel grateful most of the time, but I think all of us would say, I really need to, I've seen grateful people in my life. I see the way that they live. I see their experiences and I want more gratitude in, in their life. So how in the world do we get more gratitude? I think what we're gonna do today is we're gonna look at the things that cause us to lack gratitude. There are four things I believe that are in scripture that uh, give us insight into the things that rob us from feeling grateful or expressing our gratitude in our faith. All right, and the first one we're gonna talk about, the first one is the first reason that we lack gratitude is unrealistic expectations. We have unrealistic expectations that we place upon people. Now, all of us have been there. All of us have been there. Where we've had an expectation of how a relationship is going to go, how certain circumstances are going to go, how somebody's going to treat me, how they're going to talk to me, how they should respond to me. We have high expectations of how people are supposed to behave around us. And then reality sets in, right? And all of a sudden, the difference between expectation and reality creates a gap. And in that gap, often disappointment gets filled in. We feel disappointed because we had this expectation of the way things were gonna go and what somebody was supposed to say and how they were supposed to behave and the way that they're supposed to act. Man, man, this is what their, their husband says to them all the time. This is how their wife treats them all the time. We have expectations and then reality happens and then there creates a gap of disappointment. Now that happens in all of our life. The problem comes when you and I become dependent upon other people in our life for the fulfillment of our joy and happiness. When we have the expectation that I'm not gonna be happy and I'm not gonna be joyful unless all of my expectations and needs are met. We place an expectation on people that, 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 that's unfair and unrealistic that they're supposed to be the source of my joy and fulfillment and happiness in life. We do it to our spouses, we do it to our kids, we do it to people all the time. And quite frankly, it's unrealistic or unfair expectations that we've placed on them. The problem is not them. The problem is our expectations of them. They're simply misplaced. Matter of fact, take a look at Psalm chapter 16, uh, verse 11. It says this. It says that in your presence, O oh Lord, there is fullness of joy. And you could read it uh, in reverse. You can say uh, outside of your presence or apart from you, apart from your presence, joy is impossible to find. You're not going to be fulfilled, you're not gonna find happiness and true joy outside of a, a thriving relationship with Christ. The truth is, is that the only place you're gonna find happiness is in your relationship with God. And when you begin looking for it in other people and have expectations for them to fulfill it, you're gonna be disappointed. And you cannot be thankful for anyone or anything that constantly lets you down. It's true. You ever find yourself with an inability to give thanks for people in your life simply because you're expecting of them something that they just can't deliver. The reason that we lack gratitude for some of us is unrealistic expectations. The second reason I think we'll find today in Scripture um, is that we're entitled. And most of us would say, yep, I've seen entitled people. I've, I, I've experienced that in my life. Most of us wouldn't readily admit that it exists in our life, but um, every once in a while, it rears its ugly head in our character. I'll tell you a time it did in mine. Many years ago, I was in the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A. Okay, now this was back, this was back, Chick-fil-A is just a theme, I guess, in my life. I was in the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A And this was back when we only had one lane for the drive-through. Can you imagine that? I mean, we only had one drive-through lane. I mean, oh, how did we ever live, right? Um, And so the parking lot was actually big enough for people to enter in the wrong way of the parking lot and make a U-turn into the drive-through, okay? Now I, um, being a a law-abiding citizen, came in the right way. Pulled into the drive-thru, about that time, another car pulled in the wrong way and began to make a U-turn, and they stuck their nose right in front of me in the drive-thru, and did one of these numbers, you know? <laughs> I had a choice in that moment, and I began to, this is how I processed it. I said, number one, okay, I am a pastor, I'm a pastor, all right, and number two, this is Chick-fil-A. This is like the Christian chicken you know, establishment. <laughs> so what is the Christian thing to do? <laughs> So I was like, okay, I'll let this guy through and I got over it and pulling forward. I was just really anticipating the chicken sandwich that was coming my way, all right? So then, let me, let me give you a little insight into our Chick-fil-A. Um, they, have this, they have this great program there that if you're the 100th customer, they ring a the cowbell, all right, and you get your meal for free. So you know exactly where this is going, don't you, right? We're pulling forward, I'm rolling my window down, the car in front of me pulls up to the window and all of a sudden they hand him his bag of food and start ringing that cowbell. I thought, you gotta be kidding. That's my chicken sandwich, man. <laughs> I was so angry. I was just livid, because I mean, and I was, I, I, was, I, I couldn't imagine, because in my back of my mind, I was going, I deserve that chicken sandwich. Do you know how many times I come here? I come here a lot. I've never been the 100th customer, you know? Just rage just welled up inside of me. Okay, it gets better than that, all right? And I'm not making this up. Like two days later, I'm back in the same situation. I'm in the drive-through at Chick-fil-A. This time I'm pulling in as, the, as another card starts to pull in and he makes a U-turn into the deal. And, and we were there about the same time, so it really was, it was either him or it was gonna be me. And in that moment I thought, oh no, it's gonna be me, right? <laughs> so I pulled forward, I just I, you know, started looking around, whistling, you know, hoping not to make eye contact with the guy. So I pulled forward, you know. And I just feel like God's got a great sense of humor because as we're pulling forward, I get my sandwich, I pay for it, and as I'm pulling off, I'm rolling up my window. You know what I heard behind me? <laughs> it's the cowbell. <laughs> Nobody ever wants to admit their entitlement, but that's the, that's the root of it, isn't it? That mentality that somebody owes me, right? Somebody, I, I, I'm des- I, I deserve what, what's coming to me right? But here's what grateful people have figured out. That whatever they have in life, whatever circumstances, whatever good things that have come in their life have come as a free gift, unmerited, undeserved from, from God. It's what James has figured out. Look at James chapter 1, 17. It says this, every good and perfect gift, every one of them, come from above. You look at, if you begin to look at your life that way and you look around and you see The wonderful gifts that I get to experience, where I live, the house that I live in, the car that I drive, the job that I have, the people that I get to live with, the people that I get to interact with, my friends, all of the great past experiences that I have, all of them were free, unmerited, undeserved gifts from God. Now, you may look at it and go, well, I bought that car and I bought that house. Yeah, and you may think that the reality is, is God gave you the ability to buy those things. He gave you the mind and he gave you the, the, you know, the, the ability and the willpower. and he, the, all, of, all of the resources you have really came as a gift. You were just a good steward of it and able to buy those things. But the truth is, is that everything that you have, everything that you have is a gift from God. And when we begin to think that way, man, gratitude fills our heart. But when entitlement is in our heart, it erodes our capacity for gratitude. The third thing that scripture tells us is that, um, that comparison, Comparison will cause us to lack gratitude in our life. And we live in a comparison society, don't we? I mean, with social media these days, it's really easy to wake up in the morning and find out what vacations everybody else is going on, what cars everybody else is buying, the fact that everybody seems to be upgrading their countertops to granite. I mean, food just tastes better on granite. Doesn't taste as good on laminate, you know. And everybody's got new hardwood floors and they're going to Disney World and Hawaii and that kind of deal. And everybody seems to be getting ahead of us. And you're looking through, and man, they're looking at their family photos, and everybody's smiling, everybody's happy. And man, I can't get my kids to sit straight for two minutes, you know. You know, it just looks like everything in their life is perfect. It's easy with social media to begin to believe that everybody's smarter, that everybody's prettier, that everybody's funnier, skinnier, stronger, more successful-er. You know, the reality is, is that everybody seems to be getting ahead, But this is what comparison does. Comparison causes us to see the successes of others as a diminishment of the value of our life and the blessings of God in our life. Do you see that? All of a sudden, we begin to miss all of the great things that are in our life because we're too busy looking around at what everybody else has. I love what Craig Groeschel says. He says it this way. He says, don't let what you want rob you of what you have, isn't it good? Don't let what you want rob you of what you have. I love what this, the, the writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs fourteen thirty. he says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy will rot your bones. This is what comparison does. And as long as you're looking around, you will, you, you will have an inability to be thankful for the blessings, the amazing blessings that you have All around you. Comparison is destroying our capacity for gratitude. The last one I want us to see in Scripture today is worry. Now this is, this is a thing, something that I always struggle with. I'm just a worrier. I mean, I think about all of the worst possible scenarios and I mean, I mean I, every time, I just, that's just kind of my nature, something that I'm always working through. And I'll tell you this, one of the things that I've discovered about worry and anxiety is that it causes you to have tunnel vision. Regardless of what else is happening in your world, all you can think about is the problem that's right in front of you, right? There can be a million things happening right and all you can think about and focus on is the one thing that's happening wrong in your, in your life. Matter of fact, psychologists and sociologists have shown that the, that the natural inclination of the human heart is a bias towards negativity. We can have a million things going right in our life. If one thing goes wrong, all we can think about is that one thing and it causes us to miss out on all the blessings, all of the good things. We have an inability to be grateful because we're so focused on anything in our life that's going wrong. And here's the ironic thing about worry. In so much as worry limits our ability to be grateful, it's the expression of gratitude that actually eliminates worry in your life. Listen to uh, Philippians 4.6, it says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see that? Here's what Paul's saying in this passage right here. That the pathway to peace is through thanksgiving. That you and I find peace from all of our anxieties and all of our worries in life simply by expressing gratitude. Now I know what you're thinking. You're going, Greg, you don't understand. When I'm worried about stuff and things aren't going wrong in my life, I don't feel grateful. I don't feel like expressing gratitude. But I want to point something out to you in our passage today. Notice what he says right here. He says, you are to give thanks. This is God's will for your life, to give thanks. It doesn't say feel thanks. You see what I'm saying? It says give thanks. It's a command. It's a choice. And here's what I've discovered in my own Faith experience that it's often my actions that determine my attitude. It's my obedience to what God has commanded me to do that produces those faith qualities in my life. I've, I've experienced this with love. There's some people in my life that i found difficult to love, but God has told me to love them. And so what do I do? I act loving towards them and eventually my heart begins to feel loving towards them. It's the actions of faith that produce those qualities of faith in my life. The same thing can be said about gratitude. When we begin to express our gratitude, we will eventually feel grateful. Our feelings will catch up. Listen, listen to this particular passage. This, I, I think this really encapsulates why I believe Paul says that this is God's will for you in your life. This is why he wants us to be grateful. One of the things that, um, that I've found interesting about all four of these qualities is their God-diminishing qualities. They all seem to shrink the size of God in your life. I mean, look at ex- your expectations. When you have unrealistic expectations, people become bigger than God in your life. When entitlement is a big part of your life, um, we become bigger than God. When comparison has gripped you, our stuff becomes bigger than God. And when worry grips your life, your problems become bigger than God. So why does he say that it's God's will for you? What does he want for you in gratitude? Listen Listen to Psalm 69, verse 30. It says this, I will praise the name of God with a song and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. You can say it this way. It's it's in giving thanks that the Lord is magnified in our life. You ever been outside and you looked up at the night sky and you see all the stars out there? Every once in a while, I just love to go sit in the backyard and look up, you know, see planes or stars in the sky. what What I've found is that the longer I look at the night sky, the more I can perceive, more stars I see, right? You start out the night and you can just look up there and you can make out a few stars and that sort of thing, but the long I sit, my eyes begin to adjust. And all of a sudden, what looked like a couple hundred stars turns into a couple thousand. And this is what gratitude is. Is that when you begin to practice gratitude, returning thanks to God for his goodness and the things that you can see, you will begin to see a lot more. It's gratitude that gives us a new perception of God's presence and his activity in your life. I think this is why. He wants this to be, this is God's will for you in His in your life. He wants, he wants to be magnified above all those other things in your life, and that's what thanksgiving does. Now, I know when I read this particular passage that there's a tension here. Do you see it? It says, give thanks in all circumstances. And most of us would go, yeah, that makes sense. I can give, um, I can give thanks in good circumstances. When, when the outcomes are favorable, then it makes sense to give thanks. But the question is, how in the world am I supposed to give thanks in difficult situations? When the test results come back and they are unfavorable, when I lose my job because of layoffs, when my kids are going a, a direction that I had never dreamed that they would go, how am I supposed to give thanks in hard situations or difficult situations. It doesn't make sense. And the, re, the reason it doesn't make sense is that you and I have an incomplete view of what gratitude really is. When we think about gratitude, we think about gratitude um, being grateful for our current circumstances or past experiences. If things are going well here and today, then I can express gratitude. That makes a lot of sense to me. Or if I think back to my past experiences, I think about all of the great things that have happened in my life, then that makes sense for me to give, to give thanks or to feel grateful. But there's a third dimension when it comes to Christian gratitude. Yes, we can be thankful in current circumstances. We can be thankful for past experiences. But you and I can also be thankful for the future grace that God is going to provide in all circumstances. I mean, there's, there's no better Illustration or example of this than Jesus. Do you, remember, do you remember when Jesus was last night here on earth? The night before, the night that he was betrayed and gonna be unjustly, uh, unjustly tried and crucified, right? This is a, let me show you this passage. It's, it's 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four. this is what it says. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, this is what he did, they took bread, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I thought about that. I thought the most remarkable statement in this entire passage is this, that in the middle of everything that Jesus was going through, literally the worst night of his life, you think... He was giving thanks. And you you gotta be wondering, what was he giving thanks for? Was he giving thanks for the bread? Was he giving thanks for the bread that represented his body that in just a few short hours was going to be broken and his blood was going to be spilled? Was he giving thanks for that? Was he giving thanks for the betrayal that he was experiencing? When you look at his current circumstances, what he was experiencing that night, it was the worst night of his entire life. And yet Jesus stopped and gave thanks. What did he have to give thanks for? And I think the clearest picture of what that means, what that looks like is in Hebrews chapter 12, verse two. This is what it says. He said, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at what Jesus did. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. Who, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God. Did you see it there? It says that he didn't, Jesus' eyes were on his future joy, he got through the cross, not by focusing on the cross, but on the promised joy that was result from it. And you're asking yourself the question in my most difficult circumstances that I find myself in, how am I supposed to give thanks? You give thanks the same way Jesus did. Not because of just the circumstances that you're in now, but for the grace that God is going to provide you through his son, Jesus. We know that in Jesus, listen to this, we know that we are not alone, regardless of what you go through or what you've been through, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He promised that to you. That's what we have in Jesus. In Jesus, our sins are forgiven and we are fully and forever justified in him. We know that in Jesus our trials and our hardships are temporary. They're momentary and our future is fully secure in him. In Jesus, we are confident his grace his grace is sufficient. And listen to this. He will sustain us and according to the riches of his glory he will supply us Everything that we need. In Jesus, we know that he redeems all things. He redeems everything. And he works all of those things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We know that in Jesus, we don't just have to be thankful for current circumstances or past experiences. We can look to our future and be filled with gratitude because of what God's going to do in us and for us. Right? Guys, we have so much to be thankful for, don't we? We have and so I think it's about time that you and I start expressing it. Here's what I know about gratitude, that it's incomplete when it's not expressed. That gratitude is incomplete when it's not expressed. So I want you to do something with me this week. I wanna give you a gratitude challenge or gratitude experiment, okay? For the next seven days, this is what I want you to do. Every morning when you wake up, before you get going in the morning, I want you to stop and find a pad and a and a pencil, and I want you to write down um, one or two things that you're grateful for that day. It could be one thing, it could be three or four things, but I want you to stop and before you get going that day, I simply want you to write down the things that you are most grateful for, all right? And, And after you've done written those things, I want you to look over that list and I want you to return thanks to God. And look at that list and know God, all of these good things have come from you. Every good and perfect gift and are from you, and these are good and perfect gifts from you, and I'm grateful for them. When you return, thanks, every day I want you to do it. Now, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna get to day three, four, five, and you will have run out of all the things that you thought about to be grateful for. It's gonna get a little harder, but I want you to dig. I want you to dig deep, because, because the more you begin to look for God's goodness around you, I promise, the more you're going to see, all right? So try it with me. For the next seven days, every day, I want you to get up and I want you to think about what you're grateful for and then return that thanks to God through prayer, all right? Now, the second thing I want you to do, all right, and this one's gonna be a little bit more challenging, but I want you to start every conversation with gratitude. And this is how it's gonna go. Somebody's gonna ask you, man, how's, how's your week going? How you doing? How, how you feeling today? And our natural response is What? I'm fine, that's good, you know, that kind of thing. Um, This is how I want you to respond. I want you to respond by saying, man, I'm just so grateful for fill in the blank, whatever it is. It could be the day that you're having, it could be the day that you had yesterday, it could be some of the things that you wrote down that day, or some of the experiences that you you had after you wrote those things down. Whatever it is, I want you to respond with gratitude because there's something powerful about speaking gratitude that cements it in your heart. When you can hear yourself being thankful, I think it creates a sense of gratitude in your heart. And there's something contagious about gratitude as well. I just hope that, 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 that our community is gonna be walking around scratching their head going, what is up with those Lake Point people? They're just so thankful for everything, right? I I would hope that's what would be said about our church, right? We should be the most grateful people on the planet because of what Jesus has done on our behalf, shouldn't we? So let's start expressing it and returning our thanks to the God that that fully deserves it. You wanna do that with me? All right, let's pray. God, we are so grateful for all that you've done, for who you are, and the way that you're working in our life. God, forgive us for ignoring some of the incredible gifts and blessings that you've placed in our life. God, I just pray that you would give us eyes to see just how good you are and the way that you're working. God, I pray that you would increase, God, our ability to see you at work in our life. And God, I pray that gratitude would just well up in us, Father. God, we love you and we're thankful for you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church slash digital.